Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Elite Rugby Banter. Uh, we like rugby and we talk about rugby and uh, we make bold predictions uh, and that, that sort of stuff. I'm joined as always by Alex. How's it going? Hello Adam. Very well, thanks and thank you for having me on. Pleasure. And uh, I understand that your latest kitten is going to be named after a rugby player. I just want to congratulate you on that decision. I think it's a very good one. Correct. Thank you very much. Yeah. We're waiting the outcomes of the Twitter poll. As I, I like Rico Miao um, um, Oni, but that, Rico that's yeah, that, that's my favourite. But uh, I know Piri uh, Piri Wipu is the, the leading candidate. Understandably so. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how are you? He's here to you. Uh, no. As the mastermind behind the name Piri Wipu, I am quietly just <laughs> celebrating to myself. <laughs> so you're having a good day. And then uh, Ben, how's it going, Ben? He's here as well. Uh, hello, Adam. Uh, Adam, just on 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 behalf of uh, the the rugby community at large, I would like to congratulate you at being currently first in the world for Fox Fantasy. So well done. Yes. Oh, why, yes. Why, thank you. Congrats. Congratulations. Congrats. Number one in the world, guys. Yeah. Number one in the world. The best the best part is as an Austra- as a non Australian, I don't want anything. Just just your <laughs> your kudos and adoration. Yeah, which actually is worth more to me than than anything else. Uh, I really well, it's like like a Fox Sports. It's like a, a year's with I guess a year's worth of DSTV is quite valuable because I think you win pretty much. Yeah, yeah and, it's, it's and, and I think it's also the best score for the week. I only had the 14th best score for the week. If I had Captain Marks or, or Italic, I would have gotten the top score as well for the week. But you know, yeah. hard size oh, 2020. Um, but speaking of hindsight, I understand that we have a mayor culpa. We we received a message from. Uh, a long-time listener, which by long time we probably mean a few weeks, but you know we, we take it easy around here, who who took us to task over, by comparison in particular, of DDA and our friend Jack Goodhue, and also about you, Alex, saying that the Highlanders are not yeah. clinical. So I understand you have you have that that message in, in front of you from. Uh, I have I have the correspondence. Yeah, we we've had a we've had a letter. Yes. So um, could, could you please read it you, from Philip? Absolutely. So. <clears throat> Uh, Dear Elite Rugby Banter Podcast, I was most appalled last week by a couple of the opinions voiced on last week's podcast, and I felt that it was my democratic duty and right to express my despair and dismay at what was said, and perhaps hope for apologies all around. Firstly, I could hardly believe my ears when I heard a comparison being made between one Damien Derlender and Jack Goodhue. That's your fault, Adam. (laughs) While I understand that they they may play in an approximately similar position to each other on the field... I believe the comparison ends there, where Good Jack, uh, I see what he's done there, Good Jack, represents the cerebral side of the game in ways that Conrad Smith perfected, Fair Damien is, com- is completely the opposite. I would go far as to say that he plays as though he doesn't understand the game at all, and while he may be a physical beast, he would be no in- nowhere without his physical attributes. And I say this as someone who has a soft spot for Adel- for Dallander. He seemed like a great guy when he bought traditional Malay food from me at a local market. But unfortunately, that doesn't disguise his apparent lack of competence in a simple drawn pass. Goodhue's strength is performing the basics well and making the right decisions, while this is what lets Dallander down as a player, and representatively South Africa as a country. So that's quite a scary uh, rebuke. Yes. Uh, um, I'll yes. just finish the letter and then we, yes. we can deal with it uh, uh, one by one. I'll go first. Yeah. Secondly, secondly, I believe one Mr. Tarr labelled the Highlanders as not being clinical. 
He's put an exclamation mark. I found this almost blasphemous. Another exclamation mark. As Ben knows, or should know, I'm a big Highlanders fan, and anyone who has witnessed them play will know of their ability to strike with inferior possession percentages. In fact, I would go as far as to say this is an outstanding feature of the game, and it has remained over multiple different coaches. Backed up by stats, the Highlanders have consistently had the highest clean break frequency percentage across the whole competition, and almost always had less possession than their opponents. They pride themselves on their ability to soak up opponents' pressure before striking quickly and efficiently on the counterattack, or through minimal phase play through attacking inventiveness. Now, if this isn't clinical play, then maybe myself and Mr. Tar have a different definition of what clinical is, but it certainly describes the men from Daddy Eden. Um, and then just off in the blow, he says, otherwise I believe the panel does an extremely sound job of wrapping up the weekend's action, and I look forward to hearing more of their informed opinions soon. Keep up the good work. And that comes from Phil from Cape Town. Thanks, uh, so, thanks uh, Phil. Uh, yeah. I think... Um, you, Phil. Yeah, I, I will start there. Yes, uh, I agree with all of those points. I kind of feel like I, when I made this comparison, it was left to be far too ambiguously interpreted by the rugby public. Yes, DDA is a much more inferior rugby player at this stage. You never know, it could be better. Then Jack Hugh. I think when I made that comparison, what I was thinking about is that, yes, their position. Also, they have a, a similar-ish sort of build, but um, I should have qualified and Phil is absolutely correct I do believe Goodhue his key is his good hands um, even in, in crap loads of traffic he's always getting offload I know DDO is slowly getting better but there's this little chasm in that regard and also Jack Goodhue's decision making as he proved last year with the Crusaders when he was uh, outstanding uh, filling in a gap uh, left by more seasoned competitors so yes Phil I do agree with you I, I, I do kind of feel the mayor culpa from our side here was just not adding enough colour when I made the comparison I just thought that I had a similar build and go forward and I agree with you wholeheartedly, though my little asterisk is that um, I thought this anyway. So, you know, I don't think I'm wrong, <laughs> what I was thinking. But in fairness, you pointed it yes. out, and I did not add enough detail. So, touche. I'll leave it at that. Okay. I think that's, I think that's, balanced. that's a balanced response. Oh, thanks. thanks. And, uh, and uh, the Highlanders? Okay, so, so for my part... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to apologize, first of all. Um, I refuse to apologize. Uh, however, I think it's maybe, maybe worth rather discussing, you know, what, like you said, you know, what is the definition of being a clinical rugby side? You know, how do we understand that? Um, and I'm open to ideas from you guys, but from my side, the way I, I see it or the way I've always thought about it, that, you know, being a clinical team means you kind of play with your head rather than your heart. You, you're very kind of plan focused or structure focused. And you, you emphasize your own game. You, you force the other team to play your game of rugby. And you don't just kind of play what you see in front of you. So, you know, it's a kind of team that's very cool, calm, and collected. Um, you've got a low error rate and a high conversion rate when you do get opportunities, um, which is something that he mentioned. So, you know, for me, players that spring to mind are guys like, like Stephen Larkham, uh, Dan Carter, Furry Dupree, Johnny Wilkinson. Those guys who kind of, they were, they weren't predictable necessarily, but you, you kind of knew what their strengths were. Like they, and it was just you couldn't stop them. So um, he 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 labelled my original comment as blasphemy. He'll probably find it even more blasphemous when I when I bring the the blue bulls into it because I I actually feel like the blue bulls of 2009 um, and 2010 were one of the more clinical sides that we've seen in Super Rugby. And everyone used to say, you know, everyone knows what the blue, what the bulls are going to do when you play them. It's just a question of stopping them. And for me, that's yeah, kind of you, what sums you, up being a, a clinical side. Sorry, Ben. Yeah, I was, I was just going to echo you there. Like, you knew what was coming when you were playing the Bulls. 
but you couldn't really do anything about it. It was like, and it was yeah. like the tide. You can't stop it. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, like for me, the most the most pinnacle side currently in Super Rugby is probably, well, not right now with the injuries, but over the last few years has been the Crusaders, mm. um, because I think that they're very structured and they they're just efficient and every like the whole team is just one big you know moving machine full of moving parts with everyone doing their jobs well. And um, from the Highlander side, I think I think it's fair. Okay, uh, you know maybe I'll I'll concede um, to an extent that. Uh, especially Ben Smith and Aaron Smith, like those are for me are quite clinical players, but I don't think they really define the Landers play style as a brand. I think that the Landers actually they prey a lot on me or opponent errors, and they okay, so they force the errors through a lot of possession and they kick extremely well out of hand. But then ultimately, what they end up doing is they back their own superior skill and physicality, and they just kind of capitalize on other teams' fuck ups and they strike while the iron's hot, which is something that Phil brought up as well. Mm. Um, but I don't think that they emphasize their own structures. I think they just kind of play what they see and they just do it better than most other teams do. Um, and I think that's that's maybe a part of being clinical. So I think, yeah, maybe, I mean, I start off by saying I won't apologize, but I think ultimately there's somewhere in the middle ground that Phil and I can maybe meet. Sorry, I don't think... That did at some stage. Yeah, sorry. You're can you busy, still hear me? Yeah, you're busy breaking up there. I don't know if you could hear that too. Yeah, did you download a robot sound for a robot sound for effect? No, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> okay, did no it sound cool? It <laughs> yeah. Well, it probably would sound good coming out coming out in the actual pod. But uh, let's let, let's hear the one line. What if you could, if Phil was sitting right in front of you right now? What what would you tell Phil after your very I must I'd, say eloquent explanation? I tell Phil to mind his own business, um, and if he thinks he knows better than than we do, then he can start his own podcast. And uh, there you have it. That's how the cookie crumbles, folks. And as Ricky Bobby says, if you're uh, not first, you're last. So, yeah. But, well, thank, well let's just say that out to all our listeners out there. If you want to challenge us on something, because we do talk a lot of cuck on this podcast, please get hold of us uh, on Twitter. We do have a Twitter account. It's Elite, elite uh, what's it? Elite, oh, elite Rugby Band elite. on Twitter. There we go. So you can find us. There we or, go. Or you can comment on our podcast on SoundCloud, <clears throat> iTunes, and Acast. You're welcome to subscribe, listen, and comment, and rate. That'd be great. Thank you. But also, I was going to say, speaking of um, defeats and wins and stuff, uh, just looking at the week that has passed, uh, what do you think was the most impressive performance that you guys saw over, over the week of Super Rapey? And quick, sorry, before we start that, quick shout out to Ireland, Mazeltov, for taking your, yes. your only third ever Grand Slam yes. and sticking it to Eddie Jones. That's uh, always a big win for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we won't go on too much about that, but uh, as I said, we love it when Eddie is unhappy. So, yeah, that's good. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> the performance of the weekend, guys. Uh, Matt, I know who you, I know what you're going to say, though. I bet I know what you're going to say. <sighs> I've, got, I've got a short list of two. I'll put it at that. Uh-huh. So the one's the obvious one that yeah that I think you all want me to avoid for now, and the other one would be the Stormers and Blues. Fair, yeah, they play the Stormers. Are we, are we talking individuals or teams? Teams. Uh, I'm talking teams. yeah, sort okay. of sort of matches I enjoyed yeah. watching. Okay. And the other one, come on, just uh, fit the character, man. Come on, you know you want to say it. The the other one was the narrow defeat <laughs> of the Sun Wolves by the Lions. At Ellis Park, yeah. yeah. At Ellis Park, of course. Yeah. That was excellent. Yeah, Ben. It was an excellent game. Yeah, yeah. bad game depending on how you view it. Uh, ben, uh, yourself, what uh, what team performance 
stuck out. We can then talk a little bit about individuals, but uh, good, bad, even bad. If I was I was very happy with the with the Bulls' first half. I think they they really shocked uh, a strong Chiefs team, a strong Chiefs backline, especially mm. by playing kind of non-traditional rugby, and they forced the Chiefs to kind of play a lot more reserved, like ugly games. So good on yeah. the Bulls there. Yeah, yeah. And also, I I know I've actually I've made a bit of a resolution this week. I'm going to try to be more more constructive and positive instead of just angry. Um, like I, I know I've had a lot of negative things to say about them through my whole life since I was a child, but uh, the Waratahs, the Waratahs second half was really was well, shit hot. Yes. And the, the Rebels, like I know, like we've all been expecting them to lose the plot, but the Rebels aren't a bad side, and the Waratahs made them look very, very average. So you know what? Good on the Tars. Very nice, Alex. What uh, what looked good for you? Um, or bad. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, just to avoid the ones that have already been said, I'll I'll give a shout-out to my boys and Stormers, because um, I don't know if it was that good of a game to watch for you guys, but live at the stadium, it was pretty phenomenal. Nice. And just great to get a win at home for a change, especially against the New Zealand team. Um, so that was the game that I enjoyed the most, I think mostly just because I was there live. <laughs> um, and then, then the game that I enjoyed the least... Uh, <laughs> You would think you would think it would be Brumby's Sharks because that was really bad. Um, but actually, it was the game that I I stayed up until like half past one at night to watch, um, which was the Jaguars or Haguaris rather against the Reds, hmm. um, which was one of the worst one of the worst things I've ever witnessed on, on a TV screen. It was it was terrible. But uh, we'll get to that I think just now in a bit more detail. Uh, fair enough. Uh, for me, I yeah I guess since you mentioned the Brumby Sharks. Um, yeah, the Sharks were just very disappointing. Right then, they scored a cracking try. But overall, I thought they were very disappointing against a very... I mean, it's a very efficient, very professional Brumbies team, but they're not that special. I think um, they've, they've kind of shown they got turned over by the rest. The Sharks were extremely disappointing, and a little bit more to speak about uh, regarding RDP and his lack of performance. And uh, so that's bad. Uh, but for good, I mentioned the Highlanders versus Crusaders. A cracking game. It, it wasn't as high quality... Um, as maybe some of the other New Zealand derbies, um, maybe the handling could have been a little bit better. But George Bridge scored a cracking try. He's a real undercover, undercover agent. You've got to watch out for him. It was just a good, good rugby match. Even even though there's a couple of drop balls, the quality of the rugby and the intensity of the collision. I know Liam Squire. He's out for six weeks now. Uh, a good advert for rugby. And uh, again, beyond the Blues, picking who's going to finish top of the Kiwi Conference, anyone's guess uh, at this point. So. Um, I guess let's just, I guess let's just start there. Uh, look at that fixture. Um, yeah, guys, I I thought Highlanders definitely worth their money. Um, Crusaders, a lot of injuries. Um, yeah, overall they deserve the victory. I don't really have at, at much as I probably said it all now. I don't know if you have anything further to add uh, about that game at Forsyth Bar Stadium. No, not really. It was pretty much what we expected. I mean, yeah, Crusaders just missing too many key players. Mm. I think. Um, and I guess the Highlanders showed their, their clinical side and just put them to the sword. Yeah. Uh, chaps, any, anything further to add? Matt? No, 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 not really. oh, no you guys are here. Okay, you guys are allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Get some coffee. It was, it was watch, but it wasn't... Like, like, as you said, I think 
I think in New Zealand derby do come better than that. It was it was as expected. Yeah, uh, yeah. it wasn't Pretty a waste much. of time. Yeah. It wasn't a waste of time. No, like yeah. your one a.m. Um, sojourn, uh, addicts. But then, sorry, I, I actually started on the Saturday. We can go back to what you're talking about, Ben. The Chiefs versus Bulls. Uh, I was following this at work. Um, this, I, I, yeah, you know, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Bit disappointed for the Blues. Check the highlights. They scored some cracking tries, but they just couldn't do it in the second half. They also faced a man mountain called Brody Retatic. So, um, Fuck. yeah, it's a, a, I'd be a bit gutted of as Brody. a Blues fan. Yeah, too good. Brody. How fucking how fucking good was Brody? Jesus. God, he he just he just said, okay, listen, I'm like my team isn't doing this. I'm gonna win this game by myself, and he did. Like he, <laughs> honestly, he That's was fucking. He showed he showed why he's the world's best lock. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Straight yeah. yeah, no, one hundred percent. I mean, uh, throwing a dummy, he's throwing like Charlie Farmer in a dummies. I swear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ben said during the game, he had absolutely no right to throw that dummy. <laughs> yeah. But 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 that that's why like a a dummy from a prop or a lock is actually so much more fent, uh, effective than a dummy from like a yeah. fly off or a center. True. Because no he's one's never Yeah. Yeah. It's like the so, Spanish so just, just, yeah, <laughs> Spanish Inquisition. So um, yeah. just very briefly, like for me, the the Bulls Chiefs game, like because the Bulls were really good. Like the oh, yeah. the Bulls were the best we've seen them for the last like year or two, actually. Um, and I mean, pretty much Yo. everyone pitched up. Like uh, the halfbacks played really well. Pollard was really good when when Papier came on the field. He was really good. Um, Jesse Creel he cracked a nod on our Facebook page with one of the winners um, slots. And he was really good. And Devon Rousseau, mm. excellent. Even Travis Schmeier and Warwick Gallant, like they pitched in. Uh, I, I, Forwards were solid. I am gonna they were as good as they I am going to minus a mark from Ishmael because it was when he fumbled the ball that uh, Johnny Fawalai, your, your favorite center in the world, Alex was able to yeah. scoop it up and score a try. But as you said, um, very good performance. And well, Papier, guys, um, let's get him into the box squad. Shit, I don't care. He's great. Maybe his pot, I don't know. Compared to our, our depth at nine, um, John Mitchell's making these players better. So, Mio, yeah. what you I just about? I I just worry about the Bulls because I mean it's seems like it's happened now for the last three or four weeks now. How many rounds have they played? They've played three, four. I can't remember. Uh, four. But they four. But they they've come out of the gates in all four of their games, shit hot, and then just petered out. They've from six, minute sixties where they've because I mean their win record's been not that great. Uh, they've got the one win so far. And it's all yeah. due to, I think, them sort of fo- coming off the gas. So I I just hope it's fitness and that's something that Mitchell can work on throughout the rest of the season. Because, yeah, it's a little unsettling. Hmm. There's I mean, a bit I, of a trend there. But also, I mean, to be honest, like, I feel like this result was just, like, it, it's, it's reflective of the difference in, in quality of the teams. Like, yeah, for the no, Bulls, they, play, they did play really well. Like, this was the best performance they could have put out there against the Chiefs. And, like, I don't know if they really took their foot off the gas as, as so much as the Chiefs finally got their, well, their stuff going. Yeah, New um, Zealand tends to happen. Yeah, they they have a bit of a late burner. The New Zealand teams, except for the Blues, they fucking they blow their load in the first ten minutes. But uh, <laughs> like the the Chiefs, like they just they were just better overall. Like they were just better yeah. like in almost every respect, and the Bulls did their best. Um, I just want to I just want to um, shame one guy from the Bulls and that's Trevor Nyakani, who actually was good. He, he played well and he scrummed well um, and he tackled pretty hard, but he was he was so out of position or he, did, he, he didn't have his feet set properly for um, Brady Otalic's first try, 
and he ended up just kind of like lying down in front of Brady oh. Retallick instead of trying to tackle him. Brady just kind of fell on top of him and then put the ball down. <laughs> so that was that was cool. Uh, ben, ben, you're gonna uh, chip in there. Uh, I saw I saw you. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say I read an article on SuperSport, which I don't normally you know trust for their <laughs> shop insights. Yeah. No offense if, if anyone's listening from SuperSport, but um, they were saying like how basically the Bulls now are what the Lions were three or four years ago, like where, they, where they're striving Ooh. towards this, this brand of rugby and they're just mm-hmm. not quite yes. there. So I, I, think, yeah. I think in a similar way, um, you could almost give the Sunwolves like the similar, a similar attribute, like when it sort of comes together, it's really good. But at the moment, there's just too many, too many cracks in it. And where, they, where the Lions have succeeded, it's because they also have a very strong platform up front. They have forward dominance. Yeah. So they can kind of revert yeah. to the ball. But at the moment, or the ball, and they can play off a strong scrum and stuff. But at the moment, the Bulls, their scrum and their ball is okay, but it's not dominant yet. But I, I think it's definitely positive signs for the Bulls. Just, yeah, it's yeah. kind of sad because, I mean... The forwards is the a dominant forwards pack was always sort of the the hallmark of a bull side, so yeah. that should that should come soon though I hope. Well, I think uh, no, I think you both make very good points. I was going to kind of sandwich in there between the two of you, uh, Matt, your fitness call, and also Ben, your fitness call to play the sort of sort of well, I don't want to call it the lion style. Well, I probably say it more New Zealand style. It was that kind of the ones. I don't want to say it pioneered it, but. Uh, well, actually, no, the cheaters did, yeah. to put it out there. Um, you need to be fit, as you say. You need to be fit to, to do that. And, Ben, just go towards your point. They kind of stuck in between two. But compared to the Lions uh, of a few years ago, you and, you and I, Ben, would have a very good idea of this being Lions fans. Uh, the Bulls have a much better talent base, I think, to work from compared to where the Lions were. Yeah, the Lions really had to pick up scratch. Yeah, the, li- yeah, the Lions literally took years, took mm. two, three years. And Mitchell is already, in the space of a few months, He's kind of gotten to where the Lions were in year two. So I, it's, yeah. it's, it's very exciting. Also, final point before we move on is their line-outs quality. They've got Aches Neyman. I know. I think he might be carrying an injury for next week. He's Good. up for the next four to six. Ah, shit, okay. Well, then he's up. But Jason Jenkins on the bench. And then Yulert Diag is finally showing us the player that he was a couple of seasons ago. This goes to show how Nolly's squandered what is, generally speaking, a very good squad. So, more to come from the Bulls. Um, is it? I'm actually, I'm very much looking forward to maybe watching a bit more of their rugby. And uh, I think, as you've said, Alex, or maybe you, Ben, um, a strong Bulls is a strong South Africa in, in, in many senses. So, Ben. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. So, yeah. Ben. But to, to go from, to go from well, the unfortunate, because they lost, to just the downright bad, uh, the Sharks... Very disappointing. I know Thomas Toy got a try, uh, but Robert Dupre, very disappointing. Um, and I think it all. And we've spoken about this. The one point I'll make is when uh, Jean-Luc Dupre came on, that changed the shape of the game. He was getting go-forward ball. He was getting over the advantage line. Suddenly, the backs had space to move. Kerr and Bosch scored a cracking try on the outside. It just goes to show. Um, and when we get to the Lions, we'll talk about their these trio worries. How important Jean-Luc Dupre is to the Sharks and his brother. Um, but overall, very disappointing from the Sharks. The Brambies were there for the taking. And um, when PP put defense for Henry Spate's try as well. So uh, Robert Duprea, senior, he's got some work to do. I don't know about you guys. I was, I was a bit disappointed with the Sharks. I was expecting a little bit more. Yeah, I was. I thought it was really poor. I mean, it was just a really bad game of rugby. Like, there were 
it was uh, I had it written down somewhere. Um, I think it was like 25 penalties between the two teams. It was somewhere between 25 yeah. and 50, which is a ridiculous uh, number. Uh, of at, at, at one point yeah. in the game, there were more penalties than points scored. Yes, at like half time, yes. I think there were 16 penalties, but there were like 11 points scored or something. Yeah. And I mean, it's no excuse. Like, there's no excuse to not sort that kind of stuff out on the field, you know, because it's most of the time it's just a discipline thing, and it's a mental thing. So you just need to sort out your headspace. And then also like a, a shit ton of, of handling errors. So it wasn't just the professional um, files; it was just basic mistakes. And I mean, the Brumbies got pinged twice with yellow cards. I think they had two yellow cards at various stages. Yeah, I don't think one. the Sharks scored any points when the they didn't do shit. Yeah, they, they like they changed up nothing. Like they they just were completely unresponsive. Um, Robert Dupree, you already mentioned him. Like he was really problematic. Um, yeah, the whole it was just a bad it was a bad game. The the Sharks, I said it during the during the game, I think they were putting their best Stormers tribute at it. <laughs> um, and that the kind of thing that I expect from the Stormers is they showed up to a game seemingly completely unprepared. Um, and it was yeah. just horrific. And also sorry, just before uh, I end this particular rant, I <laughs> I, I was pretty harsh on the Brumbies last week. And um, I, I hate them even more now than I did then because they actually bloody won when I said they were going to lose. And they didn't even do anything differently. They, they served up the same crap that they served up the Rebels. They just got away with it because the Sharks were rubbish. Um, so that, that's maybe even, even angrier if possible. But I, um, I will apologize um, to Falau Fainga, who I'm sure is listening, yeah. Uh, for saying that he came from the lesser branch of the family, because I actually I've, I've, revi- I've revised that particular opinion. I think he actually played quite well. Yeah, he was good. Um, and I think yeah. he's more in that game than I, than I saw Sayer Fainga doing his whole career. So um, I think he, he's maybe the, the Fainga the greater now. Yeah, I don't know who the I don't know who their their fourth choice scrum I mean hooker was. He was about to come on with like six minutes, seven minutes ago. I was like, okay, just enough time to get a carrier to make a tackle to. And then um, Fainga fly. He was coming off. They said, no, go back. Finish the last throw, and then the place the ball yeah. stays at play for the next three minutes. And the oak gets like two, three minutes. And I even saw him like oh. gesturing with his hands on the side. I was like, shame <laughs> the, the, the poor oak. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, in terms in terms of uh, let's give us a Thomas a toy scrum report. How's it going? Is uh, anything? Are you, are you still very much firm with a firm conviction that it's going to take him three years to turn into Quinny too? I, I think I think I think we at this rate we we're tracking it towards the closer to the four year margin. But yeah, maybe halfway through, halfway through the third year he might come right. But I reckon we're tracking towards the fourth year at this rate. Uh, it's not looking good. Yeah. Honestly, the I the I don't know what who I yeah I I had a bit of a rant this morning on on the group about the sharks and I really fuck knows what Robert Dupree Senior is doing with that squad. He's coached Mapimpi out of scoring tries, uh, more than likely due to his sons not distributing the ball properly to the rest of the back line. But so Mapimpi's not doing what he's... The only thing he's actually phenomenally good at is scoring tries, and they've managed to nullify that effect. And they seem to be... Even if it's a sorry sort of directive, you know, put put Thomas Detoya tight head, surely the Sharks have enough say to run their own... their own systems and say, look, this is not working and try and fix this up because it's... Um, fuck, can they really go on like this for the rest of the season? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is classic Sharks. Um, they they, I know, they look, absolutely can and they will. <laughs> look, it's, the problem is I'm just getting shades of fucking Gary Gold all over again and he's, he's regime and reign and oh, 
it's it's sad having an Australian side playing in South Africa like this. Well, um, one thing that, that did bother me, maybe Ben, you could uh, just uh, elaborate on this one. I, um, not Esterhazen. What is Esterhazen's first name? Andre. Andre Esterhazen. Andre. That's right. Yeah, he he limped off. Um, I don't quite know the extent of his injury. He's actually been one of the Sharks' better players. Um, and uh, him and Am have actually formed quite a decent combo. I think it's a bit worrying, especially who's the number 12? He was poor. The guy came on afterwards. That old guy? Uh, no, but he's... Oh, he, he, yeah, that's it. He, he pushed. He gave a, a penalty when he pushed uh, a guy in the back unnecessarily off the field, um, and he just yeah, he was he was trying to force the game a bit. He was playing a bit like Keegan Daniel. Was probably a He used to be a flanker. I was going to say, most probably his, Keegan Daniel was his mentor at some point in the, yeah. the shark setup. Oh, there's your problem. Yeah, but who, who was the yeah, Sharks list chair? It was Vermeulen at 7, uh, Terran Tembu at 0-2. Um, yeah, he's pretty average, uh, I won't lie. Um, at, along with Vermeulen, he didn't really do much. And who was the, who was the man at 6? Vian uh, Fosler. Yeah, it's, I think, uh, I, I don't want to talk, talk about England too much, but when Billy Vinopola is in, injured, England's whole game plan falls apart because he's not getting over the Avanish line. And I'm not trying to give an excuse for uh, Robert Dupreer, who after week one has flattered to deceive. But if their pack can't get go forward ball, it means the packs the yeah. the backs are working. Can, it's not an excuse, can, but it's not making it easy. Yeah. Can I just uh, say something about? Um, I don't know if it's Robert DePrio or if it's a directive coming, but if you if you guys are rewatching the game, watch the number of times Robert DePrio catches the ball standing still. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, you were saying this. Yeah. And he, he catches the ball standing still. Then he kind of goes to like a loose jog or whatever like a little trot and then he passes it to the next player who isn't at pace it's fine like it kind of works for Estazen because he's very powerful Mm. but pretty much anyone else it's just they just kind of they just losing like so much impetus in the tackle so like so straight away they're on the back foot and then your forwards are running backwards instead of running forward so it just disrupts your whole game if your fly off isn't moving onto the ball nicely yeah, like I, I don't know if it's a if it's a ploy or a tactic or what. It it's not for so. not working at all. Well, it's just bad rugby. Well, it only gets more difficult. Uh, the Sharks they have the Bulls have the Crusaders next week. I'm just trying to figure out who the Sharks have. Oh, the Sharks have the I think it's the Rebels. The Rebels. The Rebels. They got the Rebels. Yeah. Ooh, they got to be careful. I was going to say. Look, the, sh- the only way the Sharks could have a, have a good game is if they had to play themselves at this rate. And even then, I'd say, say it's a 50-50 chance of the Sharks losing. Yeah, well, uh, that's well, that's a vibe, eh? It's uh, you either win or lose, Matt. Or draw, actually. I don't know any ways you'd be brave enough to pick no, a draw. No, I reckon <laughs> they, they're both going to... Yeah, uh, well, look, I mean, talking about winners, it's actually going to something a bit more positive. Uh, the Stormers, uh, everybody thought that uh, they, they might uh, suffer a little bit at the hands of the Blues. Thankfully, the Blues... Revert type imploding, and as you said, <laughs> Alex blow their load in the first ten minutes, or yeah. not even. I think they only got got kind of involved in the second half. Um, fantastic performance yeah. by the Stormers. I was at a pub having a few beers, so I was kind of watching from from the back of my eye. Just the basics of it all. Beyond JoJo Ingram's shocking tackles, actually got to bring a whole bunch of stats about showing how cucky he is, and that his agent deserves to go <laughs> to jail because he committed a criminal act by managing to get. Him a contract at the Stormers. Maybe being a bit harsh. You were there. You watched the game. The Stormers. Uh, they yeah. were they were hungry. They were pretty clinical. Uh, I must say they scored some good tries. It's it was just it just goes to show the importance of hunger. Hey, 
Um, and I think playing at home mm. makes such a big difference to them. And so, I, 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 look, I know I've been a bit down on the Stormers recently, but Damien Willemser, he's getting better and better. Suddenly, South Africa has depth at fly half, and uh, the uh, the best tight tight row, excluding the hooker, of Vilko and right. the ginger ginger beast. Oh, makes me so happy. So, Look, you say excluding the hooker, but but Ramon actually had a pretty decent game himself. Not not necessarily number one choice for Springboks, but he's definitely in the conversation oh, at this geez. point. When you have that uh, Stellenbosch prime beef, I don't know where Volkolo or Kitzel um, are from, but I'm, I'm just going to say Stellenbosch prime beef. Uh, on either side of Unisco? Yeah? No, I'm trying to remember. No. Uh, uh, I'll I'll ask. Ask. I think Volkolo yeah, is, no. he's from the Western Cape. He's not from Steady's. Oh. Yeah. Um, no, Wilco. Kitsov's not Paul Boys. Mal Haber was Paul Boys, I think, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, have you ever got that? Uh, no, Kitsov is good. He's from Paul Rus. Uh, okay. Paul, uh, the Rus. Uh, the Rus factory is Paul Rus. But yeah, Alex. Fun, fun fact. Uh, full, full critical letter, and I once sat next to his dad at, at a Newlands match. Nice. Kitsov's dad. <laughs> yeah. he, was, nice. he was a very pleasant fellow, and he was very proud of his son. Oh, that's that's cute. Well, he should be. His, his son's a hell of a player. But, I mean, you were there. Um, overall, I mean, what, what we can't see in TV, what, what can you actually see in the stands that maybe the Stormers are doing doing well, what they did well in this game, uh, Alex? From our man yes, in the no, ground. I was, I was there. <laughs> yeah, I was there, front and center at the Tupperware. Um, and it was a good performance from the lads, I think. Um, but I have, to, I have to be honest, I think the, the Blues really let themselves down. I don't know if it was the haircuts that Sonny Bull arranged for them during the week, but there was something that sort of had them a bit off balance, and they... They just coughed up a lot of possession. Um, they were very not clinical. Uh, and they kicked a lot, which seemed to be playing into the hands of the Stormers. I think with Lades um, at the back. I don't know, Lades, his decision-making wasn't amazing. Like, he ran it a couple of times when he probably should have kicked it. Um, but overall, like, they, it was in the middle of the, the, middle of the field where the, the Blues just came unstuck every time. I don't know what it was. But it was weird well, because, like you said, they, they had some, some moments of greatness. Um, sorry, Ben. Sonny Bull wasn't playing well, and I think that unhinged kind of they battled to kind of unleash their back. Yeah. Because... Well, I mean, yeah, they... we said at the beginning of the season that their problem was going to be um, fly off, right? Because they've only got Gatlin and now Perafita, but they're both rookies essentially. And we said yeah. right at the beginning of the year that's going to be a problem area for them. And I mean, okay, fair dues, they they beat the the Lions at Ellis Park, but I mean, we saw now it's a problem when you don't have an experienced fly off, or wow, especially wow. without an experienced. Um, scrum half in front of him in the form of Augie Pulu, it's really, really difficult for you to overcome an early deficit. So, like, the storm is struck early, and the Bulls just, the, the Blues just never seemed to get their heads back in the game. Um, but when they when they did have the opportunities, I mean, like, Akira and, and Enrico's tries were, were, like, some of the softest tries you're likely to see this season. They were piss easy. And they both happened right in front of me, and it was just, it was disgusting. I mean... So I want to name and shame um, JJ Engelbrecht, but more importantly, Sia Khaleesi, because for Kira's first try, they packed down for a scrum, and literally there was a there was a Blues supporter sitting behind me, and he was saying to his mate, "Oh, they're just going to pick and go," and I was like, "Well, that's not very insightful. Like it's fucking obvious, you know, you've got a scrum of the five meter. Everyone goes for the eighth man pick. Um, if you can't get a scrum pushover kind of thing, and yeah. I mean, it was telegraphed. Like Akira just went for the pick and go." And they were fucking nowhere. Like, watch the replay. Khaleesi, 
he had his head down at the scrum, so he didn't even see um, Akira only break from the back of the scrum. So he was slow, and then we, when he did um, break off from the scrum, it was far too late, and he like scrambled on his hands and knees. It was so undignified <laughs> to try and tackle Akira, which was never going to happen. And then who's there to cover mm-hmm. the fucking the year of Akira? It's one man army, JJ fucking Engelbrecht, um, who you know he might have, might as well have been a streaker for all the impact he made. He was like a wet tissue to, to Akira Ernie. So that was really, really bad. Um, but okay, maybe maybe this is a good opportunity for me to give a bit of credit to JJ because, I mean, the guy's gotten more slack than anyone else, on, uh, more flack, sorry, than anyone else on this podcast so far. And he was pretty good, actually, overall. Um, I was yeah. jumping out of my seat when he had his breakaway and just, like, I screamed myself hoarse just, shout, just shouting, like, just run faster, fuck's sake, just run faster. Put your, put your ears uh, back and go. Yeah. And then um, my wife was like, when he popped the ball up to Evia Fulun and, and he scored, she was like, oh, I didn't even realize that someone was there backing him up because the, the, the kits were so similar. And I was yeah. like, yeah, oh, I didn't Jesus. realize that either. In hindsight, like, it's a miracle was... that fucking what? Wilco Lowe didn't catch up with him. He was going so slowly. So obviously he had a support run. What a fuck up, though. No, I'm sorry. Kids, I'm though. sorry. How, how fucking fast is Milani Nano, though? Oh, bro. Yeah, he's correct. I'm, I'm being, I'm being yeah. harsh on JJ. Like, no, 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 no. no, no, no like, like J, JJ ran about 70 at the time. He ran 100. It was ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll say that that, that second Yevia uh, Fulyun try, that was when it was 28-20, I think. That was actually kind of yeah. a, the Blues are kind of coming back there, and that just that it's just so that just kicked them in the nuts. Yeah, killed yes, them. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. well, I mean, Ben, I just want to just get uh, you, since you always have a hot take, do you think Damien Willems is in the running to be a Springbok fly half come June against England? Or July, whenever, whenever we play them? No, I don't think so. Um, I think between Pollard, Junchies, and even I would say Rob Dupree is ahead of him in the pecking order. I'd say he's probably I'm surprised you fourth. Pre- I, I reckon Willems is no, going no, to No, no, like, be... I, I don't, Rob Dupree shouldn't be ahead of him. Like, I think I've yeah. said my on Rob Dupree, but I think in terms of the selectors minds he is it because he has a he has a like a full super rugby season under his belt yeah, it's got all yeah what i was gonna say is i i was gonna say look Phillips is in the conversation i reckon Phillips is going to go with the squad he's gonna get you yeah. know that that sort of like bosch did last year where mm-hmm. he yeah, goes along he shit. trains with the scrums squad and all that <laughs> i reckon we're looking at Phillips. Uh, we're looking at Phillips to be Sort of the incumbent fly-off, not for this World Cup, but for the next one, if all goes yeah. to plan. I reckon that's we should look no, at Willems uh, for maybe the 2024 World Cup or something. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But like, there's a lot of competition though. Cause, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that Pollard and Janchis are going to be the first, the two you know, frontliners for the position, and you really only have space for like one. Yeah, that's true. You know, up and comer to kind of go with, and like. Okay, Rob Dupree has pretty much played himself out of it the last couple of weeks, but before that, I would have said he mm. he should go, based on kind yeah. of last year's form. And I don't know, like I don't know if they still see Bosch as a fly half option or more of a utility back, but I think he still is probably in front of Vilimsa in that respect. But yeah, no, I mean, otherwise, if they don't, if they if they take Bosch as a as a back, like utility back, and they don't want to take Rob Dupre, then there's, I think there's a pretty good chance that that we'll see um, Damon getting the position. Uh, yeah, well, uh, just, just a quick comment look, on Andre. Inc- yeah, yeah, sorry, Ben, you're going to say before we, before we move on? Incidentally, if I was Bosch, I would shit on Rob Dupre's pillow because I think Rob <laughs> Dupre has fucked up Bosch's career. I, yeah, but I, look, 
you know what? They should one one thing. Willemse should get a training training position with the box squad, and he should have 15 minutes alone with Bosch and just teach Bosch how to tackle. Fuck, yeah. I was Willemse's yeah. driving tackle. Oh, dude, on Pulisic, oh, oh, oh. that was so okay. good. On Manu, can I, yeah. I think. Can I mention uh, Raymond Roulet tackling Akira Ioni? Oh, yeah. yes, that too. Which, which, which oh, no, yeah. no one else has managed to do basically this whole season. Every time he has to be gang tackled, unless he runs at Roulet. Yeah. Roulet got so He's saying Ray- Raymond's his only weakness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but but because everyone these days, like, tackling technique isn't so big. Like, most people, you just sort of smother them, oh, which yeah. doesn't work here because he's just so strong. So Raymond, like, took him around the knees or whatever, and it worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, just uh, before before we move on, I think we'll try to skip through um, the the Reds game very quickly after this. Just a thing about the Springbok flower half quandary. Um, Hundred Pollard looks like the guy that we remembered three four years ago, which is also good to see. So bring bring on yeah, the, yeah. The, the international season. Uh, before we deal with the Lions, uh, I know a little bit tight for time today. Let's quickly talk about the shit game: Yagiadas versus Reds. Uh, I didn't watch it. I didn't care. Yeah. I, I know that uh, team you set up a very nice try. Um, breaking through the gap. Otherwise, it just looked like a pretty bang average game where the Jaguars were doing the most Australian thing ever by bringing everybody else down to their level. Alex, since you're the only one who actually bothered so, watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me let me have a quick rant about this. Okay, yes. So, um, normally I'd agree with you because it is what we've seen. The Australian team's dragging them down to their level. That is not what happened, okay? I I don't know why I decided to stay up and watch this game. It was, it was a stupid decision, but I did it anyway. And I wasn't prepared for what... I was going to witness. I, I was racking my brains at one o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out how to explain to you guys what I'd just seen. And the only way I, the, the only way I could come up with of explaining it, which might not make sense now, but it made sense at one o'clock in the morning. Watching the Haguaras play rugby, it was like watching a computer simulation of rugby, but with a really, really low level of artificial intelligence <laughs> and with really, really bad RNG. <laughs> Um, so for those of you who don't know, RNG is random number generation. So it's how computer games simulate um, the effect of your choices, right? So it's almost like um, in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, so like you roll a dice and you need to get yeah. over like 10 out of 20 to hit, for example. And if you get 20 out of 20, you get like a critical hit. So these guys were just rolling ones the whole fucking night. Like everything they did was a failure. And But, but on top of that, before I get to that, I just want to make it clear. These are they, the the Haguares are stupid. Okay, there's no way around it. Like I'm sorry if we got Argentinian fans um, or former Argentinian fans, but the Haguares are the stupidest team in Super Rugby. They're stupid people, and what I mean <laughs> is that they they lacked any semblance of critical thought or self awareness about their decisions. Right? They just did the same stupid stuff over and over again, and it wasn't fucking working. Like not even a little bit. They they must have kicked to the corner to maul on the Reds five meter line something like six times in a row, and then the Reds would give away a penalty, and they'd get another penalty, and they'd kick for the corner to maul it, and they'd fuck it up again. They did it every single time, and they've kept fucking it up. And, okay, so the Reds defended pretty well, so they put a lot of pressure on um, But the Haguaras just kept putting themselves in these stupid positions, and then, but then, like, and then this is, so that's the first thing. They're just, they're stupid. They made bad decisions. And then this is where the RNG came into play, because every time they made a decision, it would have the worst possible outcome like every time like Tukulet would be like okay I'm gonna click I'm gonna kick for touch out of the 22 oh wait the ball was taken back into the 22 you kicked directly into touch and just gifted them a, an attacking line out oh dear uh, fuck. Creevy decides okay you he's gonna what, make something happen so he runs, yeah. he runs a good support line and then Lavanini passes it like directly into Creevy's face 
and it's a knock-on. Like, you know, <laughs> I swear to God, like, everything, the forwards decide, okay, no, they're going to go through phases now before they give it to the back line. And nope, you knock the ball on before you can even give it to the fly half or you give away a penalty or for something stupid. And everything they did was was a failure. Everything. So overall... Um, what do you think the, the mm-hmm. Monday... I was, I was going to say, what do you think the Monday morning sort of team video video review of the game footage is like I, in Argentina? I really don't know. A preview was raging. Like, you should have seen him. He was sulking the whole game. I, like, so I mentioned Lovin. He like, I mean, threw the I ball mean, into his face, and he just glared at him. I don't even know if he said anything. He just glared at Lovin when they were setting up for the scrum. Um, so I don't even know if he's on speaking terms with him. <laughs> After that, no, I, I assume Creevy's assume sort of doing his own practice for the next week by the sound. Yeah, I think he just doesn't show up to practice anymore. He just comes on Saturdays and still yeah. outperforms the rest. Yeah. So, so, well, so, Alex, all credit, all credit to Alex for actually watching the, yeah. for taking one for the team and actually watching these games because apparently none of us was, could be bothered to. No, I was. It was like watching a car crash. I couldn't, I couldn't tear my eyes away from I it. Was, I was somewhat intoxicated with wine. So uh, the overall summation, Yago has shat the bed, uh, the Reds, again, picking up another yes. win with Brad Thorne. Uh, before we before we move on, uh, Simon Crevy having a good game, and uh, Brad Thorne has made all the right decisions by getting rid of the bad apples. It's almost like those coaches who like younger players so they can mould them, like Pep Guardiola. He likes younger players, apparently, in football, because he they, they just actually listen to him and they they do what he says. That's good. Um, so, <laughs> so look, Reds, Reds, Stormers. That's going to be a good game next week. Though, I know the Reds. They got they have they've had to. If fly the Reds to, can get you, yeah, they have. No, they, if the Reds are allowed, then. yeah, Jesus, they got they had to fly to London because of a yellow uh, fever thing. Thanks, SAA, yeah. inside job. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a good game. Uh, let's have a quick quick chat about the Waratahs Rebels. First half, awful. By the way, I know the Rebels were right. They capitalized. Did you see the, the Rebels' first try? Uh, I don't know what happened. No. Someone fumbled oh, it. Who's it? Phillips? Yeah, no, not Phillips. It was... Um, sorry, I'm just having a look at the scores English? here. No, who scored the try? Sorry. I Phillips. think it was English. No, it was Tom English's first try. Oh, like, okay. Falau kind I'm going to sit this one out because I haven't actually watched this game. Yeah, like, Falau kind of... Yeah, I slept. Yeah, Falau kind of caught the ball. Um, I don't know if it was from a kick or something. And then he tried to pass it to Kurtley Beale, and then Beale fumbled it, and then English just swoops in and scores immediately seven nil. Um, so it was yeah. just it was just a rather comedic moment. But the first half wasn't great, especially from the Waratahs. They just seemed to knock on the ball and cough it up so much. It was so frustrating. I, I, I'm a semi-Waratahs fan. What can I say? I'm a huge fan of Israel Folau. Um And the first half was very frustrating. The playing to the Rebels game. Uh, Aminaki Murphy scored a lacquer try. In the, in the first half, or was it the second half? Um, the ball spat was... out. It was the first half. The ball spat out the side of a rack, picked it up, and he died to 60 meters. Uh, like his lungs are yeah, busting. That was a lacquer try uh, to watch. But second half, Ben, I think you, you watched quite a bit of this game. Uh, how good were the Waratahs? I don't see them any nowhere. They just started scoring tries. Yeah, uh, they, were, they were playing to a plan. Very Actually, the whole game, very few scrums, very few penalties. Like, it was nice to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, the Waratahs are really good. Like, I think Kepu sorted out their scrums quite nicely. Oh, and sorry. obviously, yeah. Um, and then uh, Falau was just unbelievable on the high ball. Like, yeah, he, honestly, he, he was, was gross. One of the best players in the park, and he didn't even uh, get a try. He was outstanding. No, you said so. Yeah, but he, yeah, how many, he facilitated so much. Because, so many yards. I mean, fuck. Like, like, that, that, cross, that cross kick becomes so viable for them now because mm. it's 
I would say you kick to Falau's wing, and you've you've got an eighty percent chance of retaining the ball. Yeah, it's yeah, it's essential. Retaining it's essentially. the ball and getting and getting twenty five meters, and then obviously the the defenders are disjointed, the offside lines shifted. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah so it's like, it's essentially the biggest skip pass they've got now in the Arsenal. Yeah, well, it's an interesting trade-off you talk about, Ben. They, uh, yeah, at full-back, he's devastating. He can join the back line. But on the wing, he's easier to kick to because you're not quite sure where he's going to be in, in full-back uh, with defensive alignment. easier to mark. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So, but uh, yeah, easier to mark. But, but, but who, do you, who do you put against him? Jeez, dude. Uh, your your loss. Probably, I'll, I'll no, you're gonna, gonna need so yeah, you're gonna need some seven foot monster on the wing. No, no, no. no but I'll, I'll put like the eighth man. I'll put someone like Dan Dupree on him. <laughs> Actually, not a bad or, idea. Or a guy like when he comes back from injury, Israel Dag, <coughs> or Ben from accounts. He's probably the only probably. Oh, how good uh, is Ben from I, accounts on defending the high ball this weekend? Did you guys see him? No, yeah. uh, but, he, but I mean, he's like generally he, how, how, how good he, is how good is Ben from accounts? He's amazing. He's I, amazing. What I really like Jedi. about Ben. What I liked about Ben from accounts is all the salty stories from the rest of New Zealand that he influenced the ref and all the, that cut about uh, whose no, try was it again? Uh, Tafua's try. Yeah. yeah. No, well, look. That's, no that's fairness, this yeah. thing where he, when he's when he's defending against the high ball, he just lines it up, and he, I mean he's got this supernatural ability to tell where the ball is going to be. So he doesn't actually have to like get himself underneath it. He just takes his time, and then he sprints, and he he attacks the ball in the air. He jumps from about three or four meters away from the ball. And he just meets it in the air. But he, he, he does this thing we were taught to do at high school. I don't know if you guys also got that lesson where you stick your leg out in front of you. So you put your knee up when you're taking yeah, a high ball yeah. so that no one can actually compete with you in the air. Mm. Yeah. And if you do, they get, a, they get a knee to the face or something. And then you probably get a penalty anyway because they touched you while you're jumping for the ball. They try to tackle you, yeah. Um, yeah, and like there's, just, there's a vacuum around him. Like I swear, he's a Jedi Knight and he has his force shield around him and no one can touch him. <laughs> Except and he wow. just lands with with, he lands with so much momentum. Well, I don't know. I think when that happens, there'll be a singularity or something. Yeah, it's, yeah, he just lands so much momentum and with the ball that you can't stop him. And that's when he, he gets so much go-forward ball. And then off of that, the Highlanders score in a very impressive, but not what I would call clinical manner. Mm. They're opportunistic, not clinical. I'd call them opportunistic. Um, yes, I agree. Yeah, just a quick, uh, quick comment. Rebels, That's Guinea, he, he wasn't at his best uh, for the game. He's very, very important. Guinea um, aspires and the Rebels are shit. Yeah, no, that says a lot. And then Takeli Nayavara. Who would have called that? Who would have called that? Rebel, I would have. Uh, Guinea. I, will, I thought he would have gotten, yeah, I would, I thought he would have gotten up for, for a game against the Tars. Who, who, who no, indeed? Who, who among us would have predicted that the Waratahs would beat the Rebels? Who indeed? Who has that power? Uh, Max no, I don't know. I don't know. The prophet Ben seems to be on on point every now and then, but yeah. I don't think he said it. So I, I'm going to play to the jury on this one. Fine. Uh, I don't know. Ben was wrong. Ben was wrong about um, about Nizam Khan getting a yellow card for attacking Sam Knock this weekend. Uh, so. uh, 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 just to, Ben's just, original <laughs> prophecy was Augusty Pulu. Uh, just he he voluntarily my, my, my original he, prophecy he was. Sam Nock. My original pro- prophecy was Gibson, who's still injured, but why is he still injured? <laughs> that, that's, did Nizam Carr attack him in his bed? Uh, I'm not sure. Just, no, just one night while he's so. sleeping, Carr just neck-rolled him in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, j- just a quick final, quick final comment about the Waratahs game. Takiti Nayavara scored, um, started finish. Second try, he ran over a few people. I don't know why he's not starting for the Waratahs. He's so much better than any other option, and he's lost 10Ks. I know he's still, he's still a truck. 
He's, he's lost too fat. No, he's fine. He's, he's lacquer. <laughs> uh, he's going to be sensitive. You'll hear that. Uh, now, quick. Uh, we've got 10 minutes. That's not body shame. That's not... Yeah, yes. that's not body shame. Nine um, and a half minutes. Let's finally talk about the, the giant cataclysmic stuff that, that nearly was the Sunwolves beating the Lions. Um, I, I don't like fuck. this narrative. You guys you guys talk about the Lions and how bad they were, and I'll tell you why I'm not too not too fond of that narrative. Okay, hit me. What? 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 No, 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 no. Talk to us about why, why the... Why the lines are bad. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why they're bad. Uh, they're struggling at, at loose trio, um, and I think I'm going to bring in the voice of reason, Nick Mallet. He just said the lines are loose. They didn't treat the Sunwolves with enough respect, and also even the commentators on, uh, w- were saying the lines always try to run it from the back in a few phases and then kick it out for an exit. Um, the Sunwolves were really rushing up them. Line speed. Lionel Mapua had a poor game. He got caught out of position a lot, and I, I, overall, I just don't think the Lions showed the Sunwolves enough respect. Um, personally speaking, and I still think that they're with moving Mostat to seven. You have Martin Ori, a serviceable um, lock, but he's not the sort of oak that's going to take you to a Super Rugby Championship. I don't think uh, that's just my personal feeling. Even though Yaku Creel is out for the season, they need a little bit more bulk somewhere in that loose trio. Um, like I didn't see how the new guy performed. So overall, uh, and also Ross Cunier wasn't great. I'm actually not, I'm not happy he's injured. I'm never happy anybody's injured, but they need to find. Another option. Uh, because if he has a poor game, they're bad. Mm. So overall, I'm just going to say, not enough grunt in the loose trio. And I honestly think the Lions did not treat the Sunnels with enough respect. Um, so I'm glad they got the win. Michael Mark is excellent. He's one of the few guys who really stood up. But it was a, a very loose Lions performance. And good on the Sunnels for nearly beating them. I, I'm not going to just credit the Sunnels. They played very well. But the Lions were poor. That's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Ben, do you want to go next? Because I've got a few thoughts, but I think you should go first. Yeah, okay. Can I just... Something I, I mentioned when we were first talking about the Lions, how in their first games, the Lions won three games. And they won all three of them in very different ways. Like the Sharks, they ground out quite a close game. Kogoraris, they really unleashed their backline and they put them to the sword. And then the Bulls, they played a very tight forward-orientated mauling game. So what they did is they, they adapted to their opponents. But they still played their, they still yeah. played to their own strengths. Yes. I think the Lions completely neglected that because there was something like the Lions won 15 out of 15 lineouts of their own lineouts, and then the Sunwolves had, I think it was six lineouts, and the Lions won four of them. Okay. Five. Yeah. Okay. But those, those are Even crazy. Worse, yeah. yeah. So, no, so no, what, the, what the Lions should have done? is just smacked everything, just as soon as they got the ball, just kicked it into touch. Straight away, walk to the line-out, win the Sunwolves ball, smack it into touch in the 22. Walk to that line-out, win the Sunwolves ball, <laughs> score rinse, a try. Rinse right? and repeat. Yeah, like, okay, it, so it wasn't, like, like there was a very clear formula about how they could have made that game a lot less stressful for me as a fan, but they chose not to employ it. Like I think that the Lions had the... The Lions had the tools in their arsenal to beat the Sunwolves by by 30, 40 points that day. But they just chose not to utilize those tools. It was just bad decision-making. But, yeah, I'm not going to... So, you, would you, would you gonna, sum it up as, as, as them not having stuck to their game plan? I don't know what they... I, I don't I even think, think they had one. I don't think I they had one. I also think, echoing Adam, like, I think there was a lack of respect. There was a... The Sunwolves put, put through a kick for, I think it was their second or maybe third try. And Cronier just let it bounce, kind of hoping it would go into touch. I guarantee mm. against another side, he wouldn't have done that. He would have caught the ball and ran it mm. into touch. 
to defuse yeah. the situation. But no, because it's the Sunwolves, you know, let the ball bounce. I'll employ some natural flair to get myself out of this. What? Bang, bang, they undered the posts. Like, no, yeah. it was a... It was... They were... They didn't treat the Sunwolves with enough respect, and they didn't realize their own strengths in that game. But yeah, also, yeah. like... Like, just to, yeah. to match the Sunwolves. Just, yeah, the Sunwolves played well. Yeah, the Sunwolves were, 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 were sorry, the Sunwolves were very good. Um, okay, so that's interesting because you you said that they didn't really sort of focus on their own game enough, um, which is funny enough the exact opposite of what I was going to say. So maybe we can hash this out and, and see where we're missing each other because I feel like they were too focused on what they were doing. They, I feel like they pitched up and they were like, "We know what we what we're going to do. Let's not even bother considering what our opponents are going to do." And they were like. They were seized with the idea of, like, this is what we do. We receive the, the ball from a kickoff. We try and run it out of our 22 and hopefully, like, get a clean break because we often do that with our, you know, fast back line. If we don't, then we clear it and then we can, we take play from there. And three times in a row, they received the kickoff. They did that exact same thing. The Sunwolves rushed up on them and shut them down and effectively could turn it overs. And then twice they got um, points out of it. And the commentators were saying, like, when are the Lions going to realize that this isn't working for them? Like, we know that this is what they like to do, but the Sunwolves clearly know that that's what they like to do as well, and they're, they're stopping them from doing it. And the Lions just kept doing it. And it took them ages to realize that their usual tried and tested methods weren't working against the Sunwolves, because they'd obviously prepared that. And I think that that was the problem. Like, together with some of the other stuff you mentioned, like Ross, um, Cronier just being poor, mm. but also like some of the execution just in general was missing. But I think the problem was that they didn't put enough time and energy into thinking or even during the game, like observing what was happening. And they were too, I think someone said they were arrogant or they just underestimated the Sunwolves. I think they, it might've been a touch of arrogance about it sure. where they thought they could just pitch up and do their own thing and ignore the opposition. And they just automatically win. And it clearly didn't work out that way. Uh, Matt, now the stage is set. You got, you got two few okay. minutes um, to, to blow us away. Then I, I got to start wrapping up. I have yeah, to get to uh, this I damn fully agree that, I fully agree. I fully agree. The Lions, I don't think, either respected the Sunwolves or prepared themselves properly for the Sunwolves. I think exactly the same thing happened with the Springboks in the World Cup. They didn't take the Japanese seriously. The Lions didn't take the Sunwolves seriously. (laughs) And they got caught up. But what really... I love bringing that one up, though. Look, it it mirrors the other as well a little bit. Very true, very true. But... What what really what sort of hacked me off about this whole thing is the SA media everything was the only talking points were the Lions did this wrong the Lions did this wrong the Lions did this wrong no one yeah. really mentioned how the Sunwolves played out of their skin to actually take Absolutely. it to and what is essentially a world class they actually took the game to the Lions the Lions were playing what they've beaten everyone else with and the Sunwolves found a way to exploit it and actually turn it on their head but that's what I sort of got angry about and that's what's pissed me off is that no one's giving the Sunwolves any sort of proper respect for actually putting the Lions to task for a change yeah that's that's a fair point that's a very fair point Jesus I think Alex I think being the the, the king of ranting um, Matt, <laughs> I've never ever heard you be so passionate I was actually I heard you spitting into your microphone yeah sorry 
No, and he, he baited oh. us. He baited us as well because he told us he told us to, to go on about more. Yeah, and he sat there and he sat there quietly and then he was fuming. Like, oh, what are you guys talking about? Is what the lines fuming, and we literally we literally <laughs> no, fed his point. We were only talking but about. But I told you, I told you that was, I said that because I knew that was going to be the narrative. I said the narrative <laughs> about the, around the game is what made me upset. And fair points about the lines, but no one no one has given the Sunwolves who, I mean, how many injuries have they got? They're not. Many. I think they're playing. They they're playing three quarters of their starting lineup. Hmm. Eventually, some some played his second game this season. I mean, they've got a child essentially at scrum off. Who's, <laughs> he's played three caps for the Sun Wolves and is now captaining the side. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Um, so yeah. No fair point. I think all credit all credit which is I'm going to say this now and Ben, your brother can come at me in a tweet or something, but I think <laughs> the Sun Wolves deserve far more credit than what they've been given for this week. Uh, all right, I... Can I, I add a, can I just go for yes. 30 seconds before we wrap up yeah. on that? Because I, I want to jump on that. Because I think Jamie Josephs is an absolute fucking madman. Oh, um, no, he can't pick a squad to change, save his life. But, yeah. Yeah, he, he, but, he, but, I mean, but it worked, right? Like you just said it yourself. Like, he's doing it right somehow. Yeah. But, like, he's, his, his selection policy is completely fucking mental. Like, I don't know how he does it. Like, is he just throwing darts at a team sheet and, like, picking whatever shows up? Because last week he played Brits at lock. Which was already weird, okay? Because I think Hutting was on the Brits. Yeah, Brits has experience at Because at least Brits is yeah, he's played lock before, right? He's like 193 or something. He's like over 190 tall. Okay, we whatever. Like I get that in Japan, he looks like the lock, so that's fine. But Vimpy van der Vault, like what? Who the fuck? (laughs) Vimpy van der Vault playing lock? Like was that was that was that an error on the team sheet? I think it was an error on the team sheet because he's shorter than he's shorter than Lappies. He's shorter than Michael Leach. Why the fuck was he playing lock? Uh, no, definitely. Um, maybe uh, I don't know. Sense. Maybe it's, he's got a very similar face structure to Luit de Jong, and he saw that he just saw the face structure, and they went on it. Uh, uh, so that, that's my. That, I'm upset about the fact that I, I don't have the capacity to understand Jamie Joseph's genius. I don't think any of us do. As the as the yeah. uh, Eddie Drogi banter bar said, I got to cut you off there. You've had too much, Alex, okay. and, and you, Matt. Too much of that Soku from uh, from, <laughs> from, from from Japan. Uh, Saki. Saki, excuse me. Uh, too much of the Saki. Saki's from Korea. Never drink it. It's horrible. It gets you really wasted. Um, right, that's unfortunately. I have to. I have to get to a meeting, guys. So I, I'm gonna have to cut cut it off uh, over there. No worries. So I just want to say uh, thank, thank you. you. Uh, thank you for joining us, Alex. Uh, I appreciate your ranting. It was great. I, I missed it. Thank you. It's very. It was very cathartic. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Matt, back. I also hope you feel a lot better. Uh, by the way, Vinny Bread should always uh, start at eight. Uh, he's, I think he's better better option than Michael Lich, but that's me. Uh, 100%. You. Yeah, uh, Brits is a class player. I'm sad I have to leave now. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Appreciate your passion. No worries. And Ben. Yeah, glad to be here. And uh, Ben from Accounts, uh, the real Ben from Accounts, uh, Ben 2. Um, I'm from Tax. Uh, ben from Tax. Okay, we're going to call you Ben from Tax uh, from, <laughs> from now on. Ben from Tax. <laughs> ben from tax. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, cool. That's it from Ben from Tax. Uh, if you're out there, check us out at iTunes, SoundCloud, and Acast. Like, follow, subscribe, and rate. That's going to do it for the, this episode of Eat Ready Bats. We'll check you next week with more ranting. Cheers.